this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Ladies and gentlemen, to the latest edition of Woke Bros, I'm Big Waz, of course. Joining me, as always, are my two comrades here in Los Angeles and out on the planet of Brooklyn, Dando Vila, and Michael Jamal Brooks. What's happening with you fellas? Not much, man. On today's show, we're going to get to the, you know, the untimely passing. Well, I mean, the guy was 92, but still, still sad <laughs> that Jerry Stiller passed away. Legendary comic. Um, we're going to pay tribute to him. Uh, as you guys have been noticing, um, as my, my stew colleague Nando pointed out, the normies are starting to get hitched to the idea that China's to blame for everything. Like, you're seeing this all over the place. Like, you know, people that don't necessarily read the Jacobin, you know right. what I'm saying, and take yeah. get their news intake from, you know, just the nightly news, whether it be CNN or just their local broadcast. Those kinds of people are now getting onto the whole China um, did it angle. And we're going to get into the China blame game. But first... You know, we don't usually get into geopolitics here on Woke Bros. Um, we usually try to stay domestic, but something happened out in South America, on Venezuela, 
that was just a little too ridiculously funny, stupid, hilarious, not to cover here. And so, um, Nando, I wanted to open this up to you. Could you give us a, a brief breakdown of what happened with this botched coup attempt out in Venezuela? And was your family involved? <laughs> <laughs> I definitely have some very close friends from Miami who were probably <laughs> involved in some way. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, okay, so a couple weeks ago, uh, the Venezuelan government announced that they had stopped a coup attempt on Nicolas Maduro. And in the days since, uh, the details have come out, and they're just fucking hilarious. So... Turns out they uh, stopped these two basically fishing boats filled with former Venezuelan commandos um, and including two American commandos uh, whose goal was to overthrow Nicolas Maduro. I mean, this was like 50 people on two boats, not, you know, and they got into a little firefight. The Venezuelan military, which is very well armed and very large, killed eight of them and arrested 13 of the Venezuelans and including arrested the two Americans who were there with their passports, with identifying documents, just the classic thing that you do when you're doing a covert mission, you wear, you bring your ID, you know, and, um, in the, and since then, I want to make then, sure I have two forms of identification, bro. Right. You know, <laughs> I, I, I'm sure that they were thinking like in their heads, like I better have my American passport because like once the Venezuelans like capture us, like if we just flash our American passports, they'll let us go. Um, and um, it's in the days since it's come out, like the details of this coup and this operation and how it all came to be. And they're just they're just so perfect for our time. They're like our time distilled into its pure essence. So it turns out there's this guy named Justin Goudreau, who was a former American Green Beret, um, born in Canada, actually, also fought in the Canadian military. But he was in the American uh, Special Forces, Army Special Forces, from 2001 to 2016. So basically, like, the entire war on terror, he was there fighting it. He, you know, tons of medals, three bronze stars. And since he retired, he founded this private security firm, like a lot of former Special Forces guys do. And, you know, he pitched himself all over the place. He tried to do this like very strange scheme after the Parkland shooting in which he would go to schools in Florida and be like to, to all the parents, if you guys pay me $8.99 a day or a month, I'll send in special forces into the schools disguised as teachers to protect your kids. <laughs> so like for the price of <laughs> a Netflix, yeah, for the price, <laughs> of, price of a Netflix subscription, you get uh, some special forces guys disguised as teachers. I mean, I, who, how this would, whole thing would work is like insane. It's unclear whether any of it actually came to be. And then he became a private security contractor for um, some rich people in Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria and God knows what he did there. And then it seems like he got in touch with the Trump administration and did security for a rally. And then he got hired by Richard Branson, who put on that fucking insane concert on the border between Colombia and Venezuela to like promote <laughs> regime change. In Venezuela. <laughs> and he so did. Embarrassing, man. It's so embarrassing. And then, so that's when he first went to, uh, you know, that, that region and sort of got turned on to the whole Venezuelan issue. And he started meeting some, you know, Venezuelan dissidents and uh, anti-Maduro uh, people in that concert. And one of them was this guy named Clive Alcala, 
who is a retired Venezuelan general who used to be like pro Chavez and has since kind of defected and gone to the other side. And he's based in Colombia. And as far as I can tell, this guy is like a total insane like psychopath who has been caught like working with Colombian guerrillas to give them surface to air missiles in exchange for cocaine, uh, trying all kinds of harebrained plots to overthrow Maduro. Anyway, this guy and Goudreau got in contact and they hatched this plan along with some very high level people in Guaido's circle, uh, including this guy in Miami named JJ Rendon, who's like, as far as I can tell, is like a political consultant who runs the dissident movement, um, the Venezuelan, like Venezuelan kind of diaspora in Miami, the anti-Maduro um, group of people in Miami. And they basically came up with this plan to send in private contractors and these mercenaries to overthrow Maduro. Uh, and it all fell apart very quickly, as you can imagine. And it just like the, 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 the comical nature of it, like the, the fact that this like insane plot, like the, like the Venezuelan military is huge and very well armed. And it's like the thought that like a few dozen guys can pull this off is just like absolutely insane, but it just all feeds into this kind of insane grifty mentality that has taken over the world in which like everyone is just trying to like fake it till they make it. And it, it like, this guy reminds me a lot of the Firefest guy, you know, like at one point, like it all was kind of falling apart and he was probably just like, fuck it, let's do it and, and be legends, you know, like, <laughs> of course it all fell apart. But anyway, it's just like, it, it's just like this hilarious thing that happened that, you know, if it weren't so funny, it'd be depressing because obviously he fits into this whole narrative of like that we should just do regime change in Venezuela that, you know, this guy Guaido, who is obviously this fucking clown is the legitimate recognized president of Venezuela by the United States and like 60 other governments in the world. You know, this guy yeah. who's like actively trying to kill uh, Maduro. Like, it's just insane. You got to realize when I interviewed and not just Americans in general, how crazy it is and how delusional they are about Venezuela just because of the relentless, basically, state corporate propaganda. That when we were in Brazil interviewing Lula, and of course Lula is going to oppose U.S. coups in general, but he's also, especially when he's speaking, I mean, he, he, he actually is very conscious of what he – his position doesn't change, but when he's speaking to like a left media, he might be more willing to, you know, like he's got criticisms of everybody. So it isn't even necessarily that he's, you know, uh, uh, like, you know, as the right wing would present it, like in the tank for Maduro or something, but he opposes U.S. coup mongering and trying to reverse the left in Latin America. But I guess what I'm trying to say is that you have to realize that he he doesn't even he just doesn't get it like he's just like he gets us coups he gets us foreign policy he gets he has an intricate understanding of venezuela all of this stuff but the part of just like he's like and then there's this guy that just says he's president and he just yeah. starts laughing like he just didn't he's just like what like how does <laughs> like all the other parts trapped like the United States has interfered in Brazil. The United States, like, there's geostrategic interests. We've got to re resist as Latin America and all this other stuff. But that one particular part of, like, who the fuck is this Juan Guaido guy? And, like, 
Where does he get off saying he's president? He put like, his what are signature you talking about? Like <laughs> he put his signature on the document with this guy Goudreau, like the silver court, like the, the document that it's like you never get a paper in these things. Like you get a, you never get an never. actual physical copy of the paper which says like we're gonna do the bad thing. Like but it's always like going to <laughs> do yeah. the murderous coup. Yeah. And then the other part of it fucking signature on it. Put his fucking signature on it. But again, like Only Nancy Pelosi gave him Nancy, Nancy Pelosi gave him a standing O. And yeah. you know the only other thing the two other things I want to say on this one is that we don't know U.S. involvement, the most, I think it's too clever for the Trump administration, honestly. And honestly, there's such thugs that I don't think they need the excuse. But the only thing that I have heard that is a little bit more concerning is the idea that this is bait, basically. Like, oh, okay, well, now you have Americans hostage. Who cares that they were there as an act of terrorism? You've got them. So now we're going to invade you. Um, and Mike Pompeo did that real thuggish yeah. He's such a fat bag of shit. He yeah. did that real thuggish, like he was just like, huh, well, trust me, like if we were involved, yeah. it went down a lot different. No way. Um, <laughs> on the last point, with this guy, JJ Randone is really interesting figure because I know like now everybody, because of like Russiagate and how stupid like liberals got about like election hacking and everything, I feel like it's almost gotten to the point where because that conversation became so stupid. It, it it isn't. It doesn't mean that like manipulating public opinion through like disinformation online or potentially hacking elections isn't a real thing. And apropos of that, there was a piece that came out in March thirty first, two thousand sixteen, in Bloomberg. Actually, it was an amazing piece called "How to Hack an Election," and this Colombian computer programmer, Andres. Uh, Sepulveda, I hope yeah. I'm pronouncing that right, was basically from like a maximum security prison was like starting in 2005. Basically, I helped hack and do bot campaigns yeah. and all of this shit for right wing candidates across Latin America. And he accused this guy, J.J. Rendon and Rendon. I think threatened to sue Bloomberg and all this stuff, but like he had emails. He didn't just say it that JJ Rendon was like his point person for not only these dirty tricks, but also protect, you know, in some cases potentially like cutting deals with cartels in different countries and stuff like that. So it, it there, there's a lot to that. And it is funny that JJ Rendon will go to a Ted talk and do like a, this is how you bring democracy to my country. Yeah. And it's like, he's actually this very sinister right-wing figure, you know? Well, the other thing that's funny to me is that the the epithet that Maduro always gets in the U.S. media is murderous dictator. He's a murderous dictator. He's a murderous dictator. If he were actually, like, such a murderous dictator, the fact that he hasn't, like, executed Guaido yet, like, like literally, like, the guy put his fucking signature on a piece of paper that says, I, like, hiring a, a psychopath Green Beret to murder me, you know, like— like imagine like in the United States, what would happen if like some Democratic congressman had set up even like a, a meeting with a private some, like, contractor to like off <laughs> yeah, some Ukrainian fucking Nazi Dugs. to off Donald Trump. Uh, <laughs> and and like, then signed a document that said, Yeah, off yeah. Him. here's the cash. 
Yeah, exactly. Like, here's a bag. Awesome. Here's a like, bag full of money. I, Barack Obama, want a third term, and <laughs> like, I contract you to take fishing vessels into the Potomac. And- yeah. <laughs> like the fact that Guaido, like at very least, isn't in jail right now. Like, oh, no, what is going on? Like, what kind, what kind of authoritarian dictator is he? Kid operate like. Yeah, he just travels freely to Miami, being yeah. like. I'm the president, and he gets to meet with heads of states. He gets a standing O in, in Congress. When he goes back to Venezuela, they, like, throw rice at him at the airport. Yeah. <laughs> the, other, the other hilarious thing is that Guaido, of course, like, had his signature on the document. and he, But he was like, no, I, I didn't know this guy. Like, he denied it. And then, like, a day later, the Maduro government releases a recording. They have an actual recording of a conversation that Guaido had with this Goudreau guy. Like, there was, like, one step ahead of him. You know, he's just like the biggest shithead on the planet. You know, he like travels around with his astrology advisor. Like he has like a hey, full time well, page. Now I don't see what the problem with that is. I don't know why everybody's got to get dirty right, on now astrology. I'm wait, now I'm ready for the Netflix show on this guy, man. Narcos yeah. Venezuela. We got to get we got to get some some great Latin American actor to, to, to portray this dude because he sounds like a Bond villain at this point. I mean, I don't know, Guido. This is I'm gonna say, <laughs> I'm gonna say this is a Cohen brothers job. Yeah. Like, right. <laughs> right. Or like an Armando Yanucci like movie. Yeah, Armando, feels like a, yeah, yeah. like you signed the fucking papers. You signed Yo, the papers. So just like a death solid, it's all in Venezuela and Colombia, but they all just have like obnoxious British accents and right. it's just like you signed the fucking papers for the coup. <laughs> Taurus. I thought he was going to not be an imbibed. <laughs> and it's just crazy, man, th- that like, you know, people that were supposed to be taken seriously in the U.S. government is like, yeah, that's, that's one of my dudes, you know, yeah. like that's this is yeah. somebody I'm willing to consort with. And then, you know, just the freaking obviously everybody gets to go out and make a living. But like this shit is problematic. That ex- yeah, I would say being yeah. international mercenaries you know is kind of like, like, I mean, <laughs> international murder in for hire like, cartels. Like, yeah, in, I mean, the, 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 the stuff in Puerto Rico gets like glossed over in all the reporting, but it's like, what the fuck was this guy doing? Like, Puerto Rico like became like a almost like a failed state after Hurricane Maria. It was just like basically like you know the rich people were fucking terrified that like all the poors were going to come steal like everything um so they probably hired like all these mercenaries to like protect their property and shit and like who knows like what the fuck they were doing like just murdering people left and right like anyone that they thought was like getting too close or something like yeah like we need to do we we really do need to do have like a federal jobs program just for uh you know former green berets that go crazy in the war on terror just so they don't keep doing it like all over the place. We need to find some sort of like, uh, uh, you know, like reinsertion program to society. But it's a real instrument of foreign policy. I mean, this stuff is used. I mean, this is, it just so happens to be that this is kind of comical, but I mean, going back to everybody knew about Blackwater back in the Bush era, how they were using Afghanistan and Iraq. These companies are all over, particularly in Africa Eric Prince is still around. Eric Prince is tight with the Trump administration, and he's also pitching business to the Chinese 
for their projects in Africa and for Gulf countries as well. So actually, like, according to Google, Eric Prince is an American businessman philanthropist, <laughs> <laughs> former Navy SEAL and yeah. founder of the private military company Blackwater. Uh, your classic philanthropist, philanthropist slash, slash killer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Everything, you know. You meet those kind of people on the east side of L.A. every day, Nando. Blackwater guys killed people in Iraq. It was the Nisor Square Massacre. And it was so flagrant that they actually got pressed charges for murder in the United States. Now, think of what the U.S. military itself. I'm sorry. I'm not demonizing any, like, definitely not individual members of the military, but I'm sorry. Are we fucking children? Everybody, if you go to another place, you're murdering people and violating human rights every fucking hour, (laughs) let alone a bunch of roided up private security contractors. And they opened fire and lit up a square to the extent that everybody was for a minute was like, well, at least in this specific instance, you went too far. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, man, geez. That was that's a good laugh. Um, I hadn't really been up on that until Nando actually shared that with the group earlier, and um, that's that's just incredible. But we move on to the China panic because you know it's inevitable. It's like it's it's kind of how politics function, and in in a lot of ways, how it's always functioned. Like there's always a sort of buck passing slash blame game that goes on whenever something horrific happens, right? Um, this happens to be uh, not only just a global pandemic, but a recession, depression, um, financial meltdown. There's no other way to describe it. 30 million people on unemployment right now, and that number is only going to get higher and higher and higher as we continue to battle this thing. And, you know, the administration's favorite, you know, sort of whipping boy has been the Chinese government. And I want to say, first of all, We don't just because this happens a lot of times, like just because Trump says something, there's an impulse to go with the equal and opposite of whatever it is that he said that, you know, just because he's calling China the evil empire, we have to then call them like, I don't even know the force or whatever. (laughs) Like, I don't watch Star Star Wars. I don't know what the what the freaking analogy (laughs) is. But but you know. <laughs> but you but you get my drift here, right? Like I think there's a there's an impulse for certain liberals to be like, no, China did this and China's actually handled it great. And China's like, well, no, China lied about a lot of the facts. They were slow and rolling this shit out. They were freaking jailing doctors and shit who were trying to get the information out very early on in the process. They weren't great. But you know, by January, they had told us about it. You know, I think it was January 18th, we got our first case. And we didn't shut down the freaking country or do and, and all of the things that needed to be done. Not just the because like the shelter in place is just one freaking measure, right? Like it's like putting a Band-Aid or putting peroxide in a freaking gash. Like it's one thing, but you got to do a whole bunch of other things. You got to sew it up, clean it up. You got to do all of these other things in concert with that to make sure that everything gets back rolling. Um, but, you know, there's this idea out there that basically China made this in a lab, this is freaking, um, you know, uh, economic warfare. 
Meanwhile, by the way, you know, we're the biggest cons- Chinese consumer in the world. The idea that China wants less money from us to hurt themselves. Like, I, like, I don't even, like, we're so intertwined with the Chinese economy. Like, this idea that they want to kill America off so that they can make no more money ever again. It, like, I, I, I did, somebody would have to explain that to somebody as dumb as me. Um, but, you know, you're seeing it out there, though. Like, we mentioned it at the top of the show that... It's, it's more and more you're starting to hear people say, man, China really fucked this year, didn't it? China, China, China. You know, I just wanted to open up the discussion for you guys to like what people, how people should be approaching this information and like the proper context to put China's role in all of this. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed it in my life. People asking me about China and all, all manner of things, not just with the coronavirus thing, but you know, 5G and like whether that's going to be, that's going to kill us all. And, you know, it's just, it, it, it starts, it's starting to feel like we're creating the new monster, right? Like we're the American empire. We always need to have a big monster to slay. Um, for a long time, it was the Soviet union. That was like the perfect uh, villain for the American empire. And then when the Soviet union went away, we needed to create a new one. And that was jihadi terrorism. And now no one gives a shit about that. Like no one gives a shit about ISIS or like that's just over, man. Yeah, man, I'm fucking tired of it. It's over for terrorism. Like, like jihadi terrorists could like blow up like some fucking and like no one would be like oh, you know like no like people are they, they need a new one they need Folks they need have a fresh moved on to China moved and on. Mexicans Duh. so yeah China is the new big bad it's the new big bad of the American Empire so you're starting to see I think Trump I mean obviously like on the right he like no no I beat ISIS I can't yeah, they, they, they. <laughs> we can't talk terrible yeah. Um, yeah died this is a pretty bad incident yeah but it doesn't it doesn't ISIS fit was the last I actually heard though. that ISIS, ISIS was the last me. one like yeah like they literally tried to bring terrorism out from under the ground with ISIS yeah. like night of the living dead type shit uh, they, and they it had a worked cool for like three weeks ISIS, though ISIS was the ISIS was the last dance man yeah. the beheading videos all of that it worked for yeah. three weeks and then people was like alright yeah. back to Britney Spears yeah, because like even like with Syria, like no one cared. Like people tried to get like yeah, Syria. Right, Allah was like just this multi-front proxy yeah. war with every single actor in the world practically committing war crimes. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's like, yeah, fuck it. But, but China's easy because China's big, and more importantly, I, like you know, when's like China? When's the Chinese economy going to take over, uh, overtake the United States as number one in the world? Like in a few years, like that. That psychologically. It, for the American kind of id is going to be like there's going to be like we're going to fucking do all kinds of crazy shit when that happens like we're like I'm already foreseeing like all manner of like and no one's they're not just going to like take it gracefully like okay we're now number two like we've been number one since World War Two and now we're number two like that's going to that's going to fuck with our heads uh, tremendously but like with the whole China thing like it's like what what do you like what is the upshot like war you know like we're gonna fight china in a war like they'll kick our ass like or (laughs) like and at the very worst like yeah nuclear exchange like what are we what are we talking about idiot military hawks in washington know that like there is no winning a war against china no like like like, sure maybe it doesn't end in you know um the, the chinese communist party basically doing what the Nazis did in Paris and New York City. Like, maybe it doesn't end like that. 
But yeah. like, there's no winning a war nah. against China. Like, the, the, nah. the, even these delusional pricks won't even go that far. But like, but Mike, you did a good segment on 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 your show about like the sort of the economic underpinnings of all this, and I think it's interesting to to, to sort of summarize that. Yeah, and and I think yeah, everything you guys said tracks with me for sure. And I think it's imp- it's that this already started earlier than Trump. It, it, like as with all things, Trump is going to do it in the most stupid, belligerent way possible, and he's got. Um, you know, like I don't know what Steve Bannon actually thinks. I'm not interested in mythologizing Steve Bannon, but Steve Bannon might be a guy who, you know, says like we're gonna have a war with China in ten years. And I mean, I don't know. I don't know what that guy thinks. I know that that guy, you know, was not as successful as he felt he deserved to be. And if we could have just like made him successfully produce a fucking rap musical and, you know, or like Boys in the Hood Part 2 or whatever the fuck he was trying to do in the 90s, we would be in a better world. But besides that, like, I, I think um, Obama did the pivot to Asia in 2014, and that was already tracking with this idea that China's the emerging power and we need to contain it. And that involves 5G, Basically, that's like the next wave of, as far as I can understand, I mean, that's going to be like the platform as we get into so-called smart cities and intelligent appliances. The metaverse. The metaverse. I mean, honestly, stuff that we should be resisting and not wanting to do anyways in a lot of ways, or at the very least, like the idea that we're going to say like, yeah, the whole world is a competition between Silicon Valley companies and like Chinese alternatives uh, should be fucking terrifying for the yeah. idea of privacy, democracy, and openness. It's it's. I mean, that should just be like resisted. In Did you see that video yeah. in Singapore of the dog uh, robot just like walking yes. through a park, being like, "You there? Like, stop fucking, you know, making out like social distancing." Yeah, like social distancing, walking. and with a camera that is monitoring people's comings and goings. And and by the way, also like that's a Boston. I think Boston Dynamics made that robot. Like, it's terrifying enough. That's the cute version. They don't show you like they're putting guns on those things. They're putting <laughs> like, like laser beams. Those things, like, like, are you fucking kidding me? So, I, so, so, like, you and then we all know, like, and then it's like, yeah, like, forget when you get into like, all right, we're gonna police certain areas differently. We're gonna build in biases on class and race and everything else, and actually build that into technology. I mean, that's a whole other. So, anyways. There's the competition over 5G because China's dominating that. Then there's just even if you're not going to like fight a war, you still have to justify the fact that we spend more on our military than the next however many countries combined. So you go and you look at these think tanks. Now that terrorism is over. And we've declared yeah, the war. It's, 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 it's shit. Big, and there's, and that's why you look at like any time a think tank puts out like a, you know, we've got to think about the Pacific in the 21st century. Yeah, the, the best the, one is uh, the best think tank bullshit on China is like we gotta we gotta maintain dominance over the South China Sea. Now, yeah, like and say South China Sea, and you sound like a you get paid a hundred thousands of dollars in DC. Exactly, and you look at the list, and it's you know it's Raytheon, it's Boeing. It's and again, this shit is simple. Like, there might be one or two ones that honestly I think are you know they are a little bit complicated. Like, I I'm not gonna lie, I feel for Taiwan. That's a fucking tough situation. And Taiwan is definitely, funnily enough, even though it's like literally founded by like an escaping 
you know, authoritarian right wing army and the Maoists yeah. beat them and they flee like to Taiwan. As if the Venezuelans in Miami had their own country. Yeah, in Miami. a military <laughs> dictatorship. But somehow in the through a process in the 80s, 90s and now today, they've got, you know, it's not like some great progressive country, but they've got like a legit functioning democracy with a nice social democratic lady leading it. And, you know, I don't want like I don't want them to just be like reclaimed by another hegemon. I, I get like that there are difficult questions here in the same way that like I want China to play a role in Latin America because that helps Latin American countries get out from under the United States like that. Like so if I'm Vietnam or Korea or whatever, I want to try to play as many sides as possible. But at the end of the day, I'm sorry, guys, like. China is going to have influence over its part of the world. And it's a really bizarre, it's a historical anomaly of even like the last 400 years that Asia is not a world power. And so the question is, is like, what is that going to look like? How the, how can that be constructive? And yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other stuff to it. But the bottom line is, is that when China was a sweatshop and we undercut labor here, made cheap shit there, export imported it back here. On it. That was cool for everybody. But now yeah. that all of a sudden China's like, no, we're not just making rugs, we're making 5G and we're developing our own internal markets. And, and missiles. And missiles. And and that's another thing. There's actual literal by the way, by the way Michael, for international they, arms sales they can between do, they have these capabilities because that was the trade-off. It was yeah. built in. It was like, we will give you slave labor. You right. give us technology. You give us yes. information about how to make our own things. And you also open up your markets to those things we now make. Like, that was built into it. So when we said, fuck American labor, fuck, fuck, fuck the normal people, we're going to move everything over to China because the profits are going to soar. And that's all we ever fucking care about <laughs> is the profits. Like... We're reaping what we sowed here. Like this That's isn't some anomaly. Right. Like nobody could have saw this coming. No, this nobody was baked this into coming. the deal. This <laughs> baked into the deal, and honestly, and that is where I will. Like I agree with you. I don't think it's you know productive to just go like, oh yeah, like China's the future. Everything's about China's great. Of course not. It's silly. But where I really do have like a basic sympathy with China is just on that one area that they were like, wait a second. You were literally you thought that we as a thousand year old civilization with over a billion people and all this capacity that we our be all ends all was just to like make, make you goodies. know bath towels for Target. Like what the fuck is with you? And incidentally, like what you know, I'm sorry, like again, I, I'm sure of course. The, of course, like Huawei and all these, I'm not pronouncing that right. Of course, these companies are connected with Chinese military and intelligence and they're defense. As are the ones power. in the United States. As are, what the fuck? Anyway, how many Snowden revelations do you need to read to understand? You don't think that Google and Facebook and Apple Amazon. Have, and Amazon are not interfacing with our intelligence apparatus, our foreign policy, what we're trying to do overseas. I mean, come on. Don't be a fucking child. Like, I'm not saying, like, you know, I would, in an ideal world, we wouldn't be dominated by any superpower, let alone these two. But just don't be a child about it, you know? Yeah. Oh, okay. Then I thought you wanted to jump in there. But yeah, oh, man. Well, you know, I lived in China. Oh, I, I never knew that. 
I lived in Shanghai for a year uh, back in 2008, 2009 era. And how uh, was that? Fucking Did you fun as fuck. Did you when you lived there? I actually, uh, yeah, I, I may have like, that was like, I like definitely was watching Entourage when I was living in China. Like I like remember that getting like the, the bootleg DVDs. It was actually hilarious. There was a, near my apartment in China, there was a, a DVD store called Movie World. And it was like, it would sell bootleg DVDs, but it was like a full store. And uh, right next to it, there was a, or no, across the street, there was a new DVD store that opened called Even Better Than Movie World. Uh <laughs> <laughs> it was great dude china is even better if you have a yet. sense of humor living in china is one of the best things ever like it's just like the, the amount of like funny shit like that that was just going on every day is hilarious but the feeling that i had when i was there was like a feeling of overwhelming sense of like shit is happening like this is going forward like this is growing like entire fucking blocks like they just like raise an entire city block and then raise up like new buildings like in, in a matter of months like like the, the I had a feeling I was like, man, I'm coming from like a dying society, like the American, you know, empire. I'm just going from like this like down, slowly declining, um, you know, society to one that is just like like on overdrive, like just fucking forward. I mean, obviously with tons of problems and like, yeah, they would like relocate 50,000 people in, in a week, you know, like with, with no recourse. And they were like, no, you, this entire city block, you have to go move to the outskirts in these giant apartment complexes. And here's like the, like, it's crazy. Like it was crazy the shit that was going on there. But the feeling that I had was of one of, man, they're coming and it's like, they are vivacious and with energy and vitality. And what we're is just like, we're just like managing this like terminal decline. I was. I thought of uh, two other quick things. One, I was out uh, running the other day, and I listened to. Um, uh, <laughs> I was listening to a Jay Z playlist that I haven't listened to in years. And you remember in, uh, Girls, where he, he's talking about. I had to leave her quick. Kept bootlegging my shit. Kept bootlegging my head. <laughs> <laughs> that's it's, one of the best. One of the best rap lyrics ever. Yeah, dude, that's that's <laughs> the craziest part about that song is that that song like, was like a top hit. That yeah. song was like radio hit. It was like a video, and like today, that song is not flying anywhere. That song's great. People oh, it's a great song. We need, to, really we, need to move, we need to move clocks in different directions. We need to move back to a time where Donald Trump couldn't be president and also move back to a time where Jay-Z could be number one on the radio with that song. But um, I was talking with—I uh, with, uh, interviewed um, uh, Ecuador's uh, former foreign minister, and we talked about like doing it—because he was trying to cut deals with China a lot when he was—and he definitely was saying it's not that I thought that China— China definitely has their own problems. Of course, China is like any rich country looks at us as a place for natural resource ex- extraction for sure. And they try to negotiate deals that are on favorable terms to them. No doubt about it. But on one hand, of course, it was the, the point we made before that it's just better if you're Ecuador to have competition with the United States. That gives us flexibility. And also that the Chinese, it's not that they're um, – like they're not like pro good things in their foreign policy. It's just they they are genuinely way more flexible. So it's kind of like, look, if you're, um, you know, if you're running some like really brutal state, 
We don't give a fuck. Let's make a train. Oh, you're doing uh, a cool, like, you know, you're bringing people out of poverty because you're Rafael Correa. This, uh, this was, he was foreign minister for Correa. And you're like not doing the Washington consensus in Ecuador. Dope. Great. Let's make a mining deal. Like they definitely have a lot more flexibility. And I think that's another thing that in the United States, our mainstream media just go and corporate media just goes to like, see, the Chinese don't care. And because we care about human yeah, rights. Right. First yeah. of all, first well, of all, that's first the thing is they don't they don't lie to themselves. They don't lie to themselves. And, but on the flip side, actually, Americans are honest. We do put a lot of conditions. It's just not human rights conditions. But we force a lot of shit about how you're managing your economy, what you're doing. And, and the Chinese, again, it's dangerous because they're a power that's trying to eat their way into other economies. I'm sorry. That is an innately dangerous thing. But on the other hand, they don't come in with the type of demands and preconditions. They're just like, you have your way of doing things. We have our way of doing things. What, what's the deal? What can we do here? Yeah, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing a lot of, I'm, I'm working on this big project on the collapse of the Soviet Union. So I'm doing a lot of research on Russia in the 90s and like the preconditions that we applied to everything they did. And we, we basically like restructured their entire economy. And like, if they, if like the people within the post-Soviet Russia that were like, hey, maybe we should like, build like a mixed economy with some social democratic reforms and, you know, like provide healthcare and equitable housing and all this shit. Like we were like, no fucking way. You can't do that. You're not allowed to do that. You cannot do that. You cannot do that. <laughs> you know, like, no, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like where there's a Chinese, like, they, but, but at the same time, we're telling it, we keep telling ourselves. Or, and at the time we kept telling ourselves and we still do this shit that we're just like promoting openness and democracy and all this shit. And a lot of people like in a weird way, like, I think people do genuinely buy that shit here, that we do do those things. Even the most evil people that are like not doing those shit, they tell themselves and I think they actually believe it. Whereas the Chinese, like they don't lie to themselves. Like they don't tell themselves that shit. They don't, they don't have I mean, any sort of like. Because this, this concept of human rights abuses, it's like, all right, your human rights abuses is just Tuesday where we're from. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, it's, it's like the idea that we even need to throw feints at these pretenses are ridiculous. But, and, and the funny thing is on the flip side, if you're America, if you're, it's like your most famous, biggest, richest corporations like Nike and Apple depend on that same exploitation. So even as America, like this concept that we don't partake in those kinds of things, it's pure nonsense. It's, it's, it's pure nonsense. No, and and I everybody love that. knows yeah. it. Everybody yeah, that's everybody at the knows. table knows it right like it's it's that weird thing like i was watching um <laughs> i was <laughs> i was watching this this movie called bad education it's an hbo original oh yeah hugh jackman that's really good so i haven't seen it as good so yeah. good it's and good. what america reminds me of is at the end of the movie where hugh jackman like refuses to accept that it's over and the guy's like the fancy suits come on we all know what you're doing with that. You're playing dress up every day. And the shit you're doing to your face, we all can see it. We laugh at you. That's America. That's America. Like, like they don't like we just don't get that the game is over. Like, why do we do this fake shit? We don't have to operate this way anymore. Like everybody around the world actually knows what it is we actually stand for and believe in. So when we come in and we talk about American democracy and values and wait, what <laughs> yeah, about no your dictator, homie? You, you propped yeah. up a dictator. Not only did you prop him up, you continue to support him. So what, what happened there? 
And then what happened there? Everybody is like nobody's no countries around the world are stupid enough to believe that the lies that the American government feeds its people about our values and democracy and freedom and all this other bullshit. Yeah, in the late 90s, the Chinese, and this is like in a totally different era, right? They did not have the power then in the way they have now. But we would put out our, like, human rights reports on China. And, of course, a lot of it was true. They did their own, like, counter-human rights reports. And they were actually really funny because they were not as—I watched one, like, briefing on C-SPAN or something. And, you know, they weren't—like, the presentation maybe has gotten more sophisticated, but uh, definitely. But they were like, yeah, they were talking about U.S. prisons and yeah. racism. Just, well, the Soviet <laughs> Union was like, the same, like, yeah. the Soviet <laughs> Union did the same thing when, like, when we would be like, oh, the gulags or whatever. They're like, look at the black underclass in the American South. Like, you know, no Soviet citizen gets treated like that, you know? <laughs> um, but, like, have you guys seen the Chinese propaganda videos that have been coming out uh, for, for COVID? They're fucking hilarious. I, I'll send I would you like to check it out. Oh my god, they're like little cartoons of like you know, like, you say we're lying. We told you on January sixteenth. You guys didn't close down till March. You know, like, it's just like like full on like just needling in a very very funny way that like you just don't see that often. It's pretty funny. All right, we so, talking Jerry Stiller. Yes, so we can move on to Jerry Stiller. Famous actor slash comedian died at the age of 92 this week. Um, obviously, a lot of you guys know him from Seinfeld, as amongst many other things. I just want to ask you guys your favorite memories of the guy or how you're going to remember him. I mean, uh, obviously, like Seinfeld, but also he was Mari Ballstein, Mari Ballstein in uh, Zoolander, which, uh, you know, was one, of, was one of the best. I mean, Zoolander was the biggest victim of 9-11 was really the Zoolander movie because it came out like two weeks after 9-11 and no one was like in the mood for it. So it bombed in the box office. Yeah. Uh, but then it like kind of found a new life on DVD and, and Jerry Stiller was just like absolutely incredible in that movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, and then, I mean, I showed you the guy, the, the, the single payer healthcare ad that he cut in the nineties. I was like, man, what the fuck? I was like fucking shocked when I saw that. (laughs) What's wrong, honey? I'm confused about Harry and Louise. You mean that worried couple on the insurance company's commercials? They're so confused about health care. And you're confused because they're confused. They keep saying there's got to be a better way. There is. The single-payer system. Everyone is covered. You get full benefits. And you choose your own doctor. Harry and Louise, there is a better way. Because, like, no one in the 90s was talking about that shit. Like, no one in the mainstream. No, Jared, you know, that guy was awesome. Those those single payer healthcare ads are amazing and especially the way they're answering specifically like you had the Clinton administration putting out some, you know, classic, I mean, I pro- actually better than something they put out now, but you know, some big convoluted public private, no one can understand it, whatever. And then the insurance and HMO industry went at it hard and they did these uh, I forget the couple's name, but it was like basically like, you know, it's really effective ads of this couple sitting in their kitchen table just being like, we don't have health insurance anymore, you know? Like, I, I don't understand what happened. I, I guess the Clintons thought they knew better than we did or whatever. And the way <laughs> the Stiller ads are awesome because they're an answer to the propaganda cap, uh, you know, couple of like, yeah, you know, there's a way of like cutting out all this bullshit. Yeah. Single payer. Like, everybody just gets Everyone's covered. Stop wasting all this fucking time just so these like parasite companies can get their cut. But yeah, I mean, also... 
Murray Ballstein is one of the funny, like just the way, like even when he's like blowing the lid on the cabal and like gets into a white uh, argument with his wife about like what, like what food to defrost. It's just, come on. And so, and especially shit like that, that you've seen be copied millions of times and it's never funny. And then you just watch the one person who just nailed it. Yeah. This is also like I, I'm a Ben Stiller defender too. Like Me I think too. who's who's how, uh, who's how, off the like, Ben Stiller train. I mean, you know, it's ben easy. To, it's hilarious. easy to shit on Ben Stiller because he made like family friendly stuff and was super mainstream and and all of those other things. But man, meet the parents. <laughs> meet I think fuckers. people got no people. He got people started. No, I think people. Yeah, because he did. Started doing movies. all the Noah Baumbach movies. He, yeah, he did too many sequels. He did Along came also- Polly. I mean, Dude, Along came Polly is funny. It is hilarious. I will defend that movie. What? That movie like Philip got Seymour panned. That, scenes- that movie won like Raz- Razzies and shit. And That's I'm like, a that movie's fucking hilarious. Ass movie, dude. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but Jerry Stiller for me, he's he's George Costanza. He's George Costanza's father. Um. Just the perfect distillation. Like you immediately understand. Where George Costanza comes from, his worldview, his neuroses, like you get all of it just by meeting his parents. And, you know, Jerry Stiller is just incredible in that role, man. <laughs> the episode where uh, Frank rediscovers his, like, Cor- the Korean, like, chick that he was banging while he was, like, a serviceman <laughs> in the Korean War is spectacular. <laughs> and, like, his delivery in the scene where he's, like, teaching George about bras, about braziers, you know, he's, like, telling him all the bra sizes and stuff, you know, like, this is, like, the comedy of, like, those two, go- like, going back and forth, like, on that scene is just absolutely perfect. Too good. Rest in peace, Jerry Stiller. Um, you know, I've I've actually and started rewatching. Is a good run. Yeah, ninety two is fantastic, man. I've actually yeah. started rewatching Seinfeld, and you know he hasn't come into the early seasons yet. But um, looking forward to that, and uh, make sure you watch King of Queens. Make sure you just watch the guy's work. Um, shouts to Jerry Stiller, his family, all of that. That's our woke bros for this week. Thank you guys for joining us on the live again. We promise you guys we're gonna make the live stuff. Even more, you know, um, part of what we do on a regular basis. We love the interaction. We love everybody coming through. Make sure you subscribe, rate. Become a Patreon of TMBS. Become a Patreon of Count the Dings. Subscribe to the Entourage podcast by Nando. What's it called again, Nando? Called Let's Pot It Out, an Entourage podcast. Let's Pot It Out, an Entourage podcast by Nando Vila. Um, Yeah, man, see you guys next week. Oh, wait, real quick, real quick. Next Tuesday, next Tuesday on the Michael Brooks Show, we're doing the crossover. Oh, yes. Uh, yes, yes these yes, gentlemen yes, yes. are wise. We're going to be polluting. Yeah. We're going to be polluting the uh, intellectual space that I'm is the Mike Brooks ordering show. a cat with a I'm feather in it just for, for that episode. I'm going to take I'm gonna, we're gonna, I'm gonna get naked. <laughs> um, and, and Mike, I, I ordered your book two days ago on Amazon. Um, that's on its way. Can't wait to get started on that joint. So make sure you go pick up Michael Brooks's book. What's Against the Web? Against the Web. Uh, see against back the there. Web by Michael Brooks. Um, yeah, man. See you guys soon. Um, thanks for tuning in again. We're out of here. Thanks, guys.
For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.